0: Acts 9, part 2, from the sermon series, Acts of the Holy Spirit, spoken by Pastor Peter on. Uh, About a year ago, my wife and I uh, decided to take steps uh, to participate in a diet that's been kind of popular in Hollywood. It's called intermittent fasting. Has anyone ever heard of intermittent fasting? Let me see your hands. Has anyone tried it? Yeah? Some? Okay. Well, hey, listen, my wife and I have been doing it for about a year now. And uh, basically, the whole premise of the diet is for 16 hours a day, you don't put one calorie in your body. Hopefully, you sleep eight of the 16, so you only have eight hours to not eat. But 16 hours, you don't put a calorie in your body. And then for the eight hours, you you actually can eat. And you eat, you know, not whatever you want. You got to be responsible in what you eat. And we participated in that, and we saw some good results. So much so that we started telling people about it start telling our friends, start telling our family members, just different folks, encouraging them to give it a shot, that it really worked well for us, and, and I really loved it. And, and it's interesting because what began to happen was that we start to become these natural witnesses of this diet, we start promoting it. We start talking to our friends and family about it. And uh, it's interesting because some of them are doing it as a result of our witness. My son's baseball coach tried it for a few days, and he said, it's just too hard. I can't do it. I just can't. So he, he didn't do it. It, it. it failed. But we actually have some people on our staff doing it. Have some of our friends doing it, some of our family members doing it. I mean, it's just really interesting to see kind of what's been happening as we are just kind of promoting and sharing about the effects of how this diet has really helped us. And I realized that when something impacts your life in a very positive way, we become natural witnesses whatever that thing is, or that person might be, right? Just really natural witnesses. Last Sunday, we met Saul, and Saul was on the road to Damascus. He was actually going towards Damascus to persecute Christians, and during there, he had such a powerful encounter with Jesus Christ. It was such a powerful encounter that he experienced, and, and, and what we learned, what we're going to learn today, was that that wasn't just for him to experience and savor and keep just to himself. Rather, that encounter eventually became the commission for him to go and be a witness to the ends of the earth. And I want you, and I want us to realize that part of the reason why God comes to us, part of the reason why we experience his love, his grace, and his mercy in the ways in which we do, and we get to live in it, is so that we can also be a witness for him that we don't just savor the experience just for ourselves and not share it, but just if we experience God in that way, that we naturally become a witness to the people around us and to the world in which you and I live in today. God has called us to be a witness, and he's asking all of us today, would we rise up and make a decision to be one, right? To be one. He's encouraging us to do that. Now, I don't know about you, but for some of you, maybe this idea of being a witness really strikes in a lot of fear within you. And I, I understand that. Don't know what your history has been growing up in the church, but mine was such where when I was in college, my college pastor took me out on campus and he would make me share my faith or talk about Jesus to random strangers. And as an introvert, it's probably one of the most terrifying things you could ever participate in. And so like first he would teach me how to do it because I would watch him. And then he would watch how I would do it and then afterwards he would evaluate the good things I did but also evaluate the bad things I did. And we always would start the conversation with this one question. If you die tomorrow, would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? It's like the worst conversation starter ever. (laughs) I mean, who wants to answer that question, right? And I would have my four spiritual laws with me, and I'll, and I'll try to share it, and a lot of times they're like, we don't want you to share that. And then I'll just try to get there, because the goal was for me to read it with them in hopes, as they look at it, that they would be able to open their hearts to God. It wasn't a good experience. And maybe for some of you, had experiences like that in the past, and as a result of it, this idea of being a witness for Jesus is something that you won't even entertain. I think... Maybe sometimes we kind of enter into the doldrums of life and we struggle with life sometimes and we often wonder maybe is God doing anything in our life? God, where are you? Why aren't you really doing certain things in our lives that we want you to? And I think one of the reasons why maybe God doesn't do it perhaps is because you're unwilling to be a witness when he does that you just keep it for yourself. And part of God working in your life isn't just so that you can savor those experiences. It wasn't just for Paul to hang out at the house and just stay inside and not do anything about his faith. But a key component to his witness was to embrace it and then share and be a witness about who this Jesus Christ is. So today, we're going to learn from three sets of people. We're going to learn from Saul. We're going to learn from his people that kind of his community, and we're going to learn from Barnabas and how we can be a good witness today. And so if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Acts chapter 9. We're going to look at verses 19 to 31. Acts chapter 9, verses 19 to 31. How do we become a witness today? Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the, the, is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, and one might ask, how many days have gone by? Three years, all right? After three years had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill Saul, But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciple. But they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told him how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved out freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit it increased in numbers. This is the word of God. Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Thank you God that you have every intentions of making our life full full with your love, full with adventures. Full that if we are willing to believe more in you than ourselves and our own inabilities or our abilities, God, that you would take us to places, God, we never thought we could soar and fly. And God, I think such a big component of that is this idea of witnessing and being a witness. And So God, I pray today that uh, you would show us exactly through this passage how we can be a good witness, how we can do, God, what you have called us and created us to do. And so, Lord, I pray that the words that come out of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts in this room, God, I pray that it would be pleasing unto you. And it's in your name that we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. 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 We're all called to be witnesses of Jesus Christ because he has impacted, he has transformed our lives. If we can testify today that God has transformed our lives, that Jesus Christ has impacted our lives, we are called then to be witnesses that we're not just We're not just to savor those experiences and just keep it for ourselves. I mean, I think that would be so tragic because there's a world out there that desperately needs to know that there's a God who loves them there's a world out there that needs to open their eyes and be reminded or or, or to be convinced that there's a God who truly l- loves them. And the and I don't know why, but God continues to use people like you, continues to use people like me to be a conduit of his grace and his mercy to other people. And you have to believe that, that God chooses people like you and I to be sort of a dispenser, to be the administrator of his love and his grace and his mercy so that people would know that there's hope in life life so that people would know that no matter how much they might have failed or experienced failure, that there's hope of a redemption in the midst of that failure, that with God there's always hope within that. God uses us to do that. Paul, eventually, in 2 Corinthians 5.20, he says this. He says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. God wants to make you his ambassadors today that you would rise up and say, you know what, God, I will be an ambassador and that he would make his appeal of his love for humanity through your life and through my life. What an amazing privilege that is that God would use us in that way. And so part of the reason why we're placed here on this earth, and we talked about this several months ago, is not just so that we can be a Christian and know that we're going to go to heaven when we die, and we just kind of wait till we die so that we can go to heaven. No, God has called you and I to participate so that we can be kingdom builders here on this earth, so that we can establish God's kingdom here on this earth, so that people can taste a little bit of what heaven is going to be like while they're still alive here on this earth. God wants to use you as a witness so that you and I can participate within that. And I hope that you know this. I hope that you realize that God didn't just send Jesus Christ here so that he can just bless your life. He's brought Jesus Christ here 2,000 years ago to die for us, to resurrect from the dead, so that you would realize that your life could be a witness to impact other people. That you would believe that. He didn't just call you to come, and He didn't just send Jesus Christ just to come here so that you can just savor these experiences for God and you just keep it to yourself, and nobody else knows about what God is truly like. Your life is the greatest example. Your life is the greatest example of what God could really do in people's lives. God didn't just send Jesus here in this world so that you can just feel safe. We love safety. I mean, it's amazing how much we love to be safe and be comfortable, and we won't allow ourselves to be put in places where sometimes we feel like it could be a bit precarious, or we feel like perhaps maybe there's a challenge. What I've realized about the younger generation, and I, I apologize if I'm oversimplifying here, my generation, the Gen Xers, the postmoderners, we, when we see a challenge, we see it as an opportunity. A lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times. But what I've noticed about the younger folks is that when they see a challenge, they see it as an obstacle, and they don't want to attack or even try to approach that obstacle. They walk away from it, right? And so what I feel like is that we're raising up a generation of Christians where they love to be safe. We well, don't like to take chances in life. And I, I, I don't want to embarrass my kids too much, but the one that was singing on this microphone is my daughter Kayla, okay? And uh, if you only knew her as a little child, she was in kindergarten, she had a Christmas presentation, she was, you know, not a preschool, preschool, Christmas presentation, she was on stage, and the entire time she was supposed to sing, they practiced so hard to do something, to perform, and we were hoping we recorded the whole thing. And the whole time she just looked down and she just kind of did this the whole time, just kind of taking her sweater, just kind of going like this. The only thing she did was this the whole time. And afterwards she just bawled and started to cry because she knew she disappointed us. Right? And so my prayer, because my girls couldn't sleep for a couple days because of this. Like, I can't sleep, I'm so nervous. I'm like, it's okay, it's okay, don't worry about it. You're doing this for God, not for, you know, people, so it should be okay. But I pray for both of them. You know, Christina's a bit more outgoing. She's always had sort of this outgoing personality. But I pray for both of them this morning, and and I just said, um, God, thank you that they saw this as an immense challenge in their own spiritual life with God, but they were willing to not see it as an obstacle, but they were willing to embrace it and go for it. And I said, God, would you just reward them for that? Would you show them and would they be able to experience your presence as they took a chance to come up here? And I know they're nervous, they can't sleep, but would they experience your presence as they put themselves out there and say, God, I'm doing this for you. I'm not comfortable. I don't really want to do this, but I'll do it for you. And may you show yourself strong in their lives. If you and I are not willing to put ourselves out there for God and be a witness, I know it's hard. How are we ever going to know that God is really there? How are we going to be able to see the beauty of God? And one of the most beautiful ways that I've been able to experience God in recent times has always been how he can use a broken, flawed person like me to be a witness for him. And God could use you today to be a witness. And the reason why I know that is because all of you here who professes to have Jesus in your heart, you have the Holy Spirit leading you. Remember when Ananias last week, we talked about this in verse 17, he came and he prayed for Paul and then he was able to see, but he says, I'm here so that not only can you receive your sight, but he says in verse 17, he says so that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, all you and I need in order for us to be a witness is the Holy Spirit. Jesus reminds the disciples. Remember back a couple months ago when we did Acts chapter 1? Look at verse 8. Let me just remind you what Jesus said to his disciples and he says to every single one of us here in this room. He says this, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and all Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you, Metro Community Church, not just so that it could bless your life, but so that it could use you and guide you so that you can be a witness to your Jerusalem, to your Judea, and to your Samaria. And that is all you need is the Holy Spirit to guide you and to do it. So how do we become a witness, though? How do we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in that way? We, we're going to learn from Saul. We're going to learn from this community, the church. And we're going to learn from Barnabas. Let's go to Saul first. First thing is this. We become a witness when we share our story. We become a witness when we share our story. Look at verse 20. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priest? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled to the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. The Holy Spirit had filled Saul so much so that he went to the synagogue. And what did he do? He shared his story of how Jesus Christ impacted, transformed his life. And through that, he was able to authenticate the reality that Jesus Christ is real, that he really resurrected from the dead, that he's not dead in some grave, but that he's alive, and that he's there, and he's powerful, and he's now present through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Paul shared his story. And you and I have to be willing to share our story of how God, how Jesus Christ has transformed our life. You all have a story, don't you know that? You all have a story to share. And you can't minimize it. Some of you are like, well, my story's boring, Peter. Like, I hear some stories. I hear, like, your story. You grew up with a dad who was abusive and all that stuff. And, and I hear it. And, and then when I look at my story, I grew up in a good family. I grew up in a Christian home. It's boring. No, it's not boring. The enemy wants you to believe that your story is boring. No, your story is anything but boring. Your story is unique, your story is powerful, and the great thing about your story, it continues every day. It's not just a story that happened many years ago, but it continues every single day, and you continue to add to it. And so could I just encourage you to know the uniqueness and how critical and important your story is, and that people in your lives need to hear your story Could I encourage you to really be intentional about surrounding yourself with some people who are not followers of Jesus, who are not Christians, and that you would build an intentional relationship with them, and just wait, because the Holy Spirit will give you opportunities to share your story of how Jesus Christ has impacted your life with others. Could you just turn to your neighbor and just say to them, your story matters. Say that to your neighbor, your story matters. It really matters. The world needs to hear your story of how Jesus Christ has impacted your life. And I want you to know something. Sometimes when we share stories, sometimes we we tend to make it more dramatic than it is. Um, Sometimes we leave out the messy stuff. And I really think your story needs to have messy things in it because you need to let people know that faith is real. That it's not just this you have faith in god and everything is great everything is okay but spirituality was never meant to be neat it's messy and it's okay to share the mess of your life and the things you've experienced but then you share the hope and what god has been doing and speaking to you through it and maybe guiding you through a season of life that's so hard and you can say i don't have all the answers but what i do have and what i do know is god and i'm going to hold on to it the best i can I went to Thailand uh, with, uh, with a group of people back in November, and one of the guys, is uh, his name is David Lee. Uh, David is uh, a former collegiate gymnast, um, and uh, he's probably one of the buffest guys I've ever met. Look at this guy. He's not even, this, he's not even flexing, guys. All right, that's, his, that's what he looks like. You want to see his arms when he checks his messages on his phone? Let's check that one out. Look at that bicep. I mean, like, he's just checking. Guys, he's not flexing. He's just checking his message. But that bicep, it reminds me of Arnold Schwarzenegger's bicep when he won Mr. Olympia eight times, right? And so, like, he's just so jacked. So jacked, right? So jacked. And so uh, we went to Thailand, and he just said to me, he said, you know, Pastor Peter, I, I would love to show you this workout. And I said, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I would like to learn. He said this workout wasn't a workout that I came up with. Jesus gave it to me. I thought, what? Jesus gives you a workout? He goes, I'm serious. He goes, when I go to the gym, it's my quiet time. And I was just doing the typical workout, you know, the curls, the bench presses. And then just Jesus spoke and showed me a workout. And it's all God. God. I would love to show you. Maybe in Thailand I could show you. And I said, yeah, because he knows I work out. So I said, well, yeah, let me, let me check it out. I never got a chance to, to go and work out with him in Thailand. And so when I came back, I said, I need to go one day. And I, go, I need to see what you do. And so that was this past Monday. We went at, to uh, 24-hour fitness in Englewood Cliffs. And we went early in the morning. I think it was like 6 o'clock in the morning or 6.30. We went there and he was showing me. And basically he doesn't use more than 5, 10, 12-pound dumbbells. That's all he uses and it's just like all resistance training. And so he's showing it to me, and I'm grabbing these five pound dumbbells, and, and man, it was hard. I started struggling. So he goes, put those down, and then he walks over to the aerobics room and he grabs the pink three pound dumbbells. <laughs> And he brings it out, he goes, here you go. As like, oh man, I'm like, dude, man, this is not good. You know, like everyone's looking at me and like this is a big Korean dude with a three pound dumbbell and he's struggling, he's sweating and I'm struggling. I, I just don't feel very masculine in that moment. All right, and so I'm just doing the workout and stuff. And, and, and so then after we do it, I mean, it was a great workout. Uh, afterwards, uh, he just kind of talks to me that he does this every morning, every morning, you know, in the gym. Usually it's the usual suspects if in the early in the morning. And he says, people have been seeing him work out like this. And because he's so jacked that they see him, even though it's lightweight, they're like, what is this guy doing? What is he doing? And so guys will come up to him and they'll say, hey, um, would you teach me what you're doing? And even trainers, they look at him and they go, I would love for you to teach me so I can teach my clients what you're doing. And you know what he tells them? He says, I'm happy to teach you, but you have to first learn about the person who gave me this workout, and that's Jesus Christ. So I want you to go, and I want you to go home and just do some research, and then come back and let me know what you discover. And I think that was genius. Genius because I think he's filtering out the people who aren't serious, right? And they're like, "Ah, I'm not gonna do it. But there are people that actually do, they do the research and they come back and they start telling them what they found. And he's so encouraging, he's like, hey listen, awesome that you guys, that you did this, that you did all the research. Then he says, can I share with you my story of how Jesus transformed my life? And he talks to him about how he was a pastor's kid and all that stuff. And he starts opening up, he starts sharing with him. And there was this one guy that came to him. And this guy left the church many years ago because he felt like Christians were nothing but hypocrites. Didn't believe that Jesus was truly real. All that stuff. And and David just kept saying to him, he says, listen, yeah, you can say what you want to say. But, guy, but, dude, this is my story of how Jesus transformed my life. And he just shared it and shared it, and that 24-hour fitness in angle Cliffs, every day at 5.30 in the morning, because he goes earlier, than, and I said, let's go a little later, he goes at 5.30 in the morning. It's an outpost for God's kingdom. Why? Because there's one guy who's willing to be a witness in there. There's one guy who says, I'll be a witness for you, Jesus. I hope as you enter into your offices tomorrow morning, as you go to your office, or you go to your school, or wherever you decide to go, that you will go there knowing that God has called you and commissioned you and I to be a witness, and that if there's a moment where you can just share your story, that you would share your beautiful story of how God is working and doing things in your life. Saul shared his story. He shared it with such conviction that people were confused, they were wondering, but people also gave their lives to Jesus because of his story. And one of the greatest things that you get to experience as Christians, one of the privileges that God gives you to experience is how your story, if you let the Holy Spirit breathe on it, can transform somebody's life. Why wouldn't you want to experience that? Now, it doesn't always happen, and that's okay, because it's not about you. It's about God and the Holy Spirit. You might be sprinkling some things or watering a seed that's been planted in somebody's heart, but somebody that you know needs to hear your story. To be a good witness is just somebody who is willing to share their story with somebody. So I encourage you to think about doing that. Share your story. The second thing, uh, we become a witness when we live in a community that watches our back. When you live in a community that watches our back. Look at verse 23. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. That's Saul. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him, but his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. Let's jump over to verse 29. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. A lot of people want to kill Saul. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus, people wanted to kill, physically kill Saul because of his testimony, because his testimony and his story was too powerful, people were believing in it, they started to believe in the authenticity of who Jesus Christ is, and so as a result, these, these faith quote unquote leaders decided to take him out, and if it wasn't for the people, the community, the small community of people that were willing to watch Paul's back or Saul's back, he would have died he couldn't lower himself in the basket on his own. He needed some of his friends to lower him down into the basket. And so I know that all of us here in this room, when you and I choose to be a witness for Jesus, we're not gonna be, in our lives or our physical lives are not going to be in jeopardy when we do that. No one in this room will ever be put in a place where you feel like somebody's gonna kill you if you become a witness for Jesus Christ, physically kill you. That's not my concern. But it doesn't mean that you don't need accountability. You still need a community of people to help you because while you may not die of physical death, you got to be careful that you don't die a spiritual death. And you need people to help you with that. You need people to help you so that you do not die a spiritual death. And how do, how do we die a spiritual death is when you allow sin to take control of your life. That's when you and I begin to die a spiritual death, and then we no longer can be a witness for Jesus Christ because we allow, we allow sin to take full control of our lives. Now, what do I mean by full control? What I simply mean by that is this. You don't have a choice anymore when it comes to sin. It chooses for you. That's when sin takes over your life. Listen, all of us, if we're in a place in our lives where sin is always a choice, where you have a choice to do it or not to do it, I think you're in a spiritually healthy place. But once that choice is taken away from you and you no longer have a choice anymore and you just fall prey to that sin, then it controls you. And slowly but surely what will happen is that you will die a spiritual death, no longer allowing the Holy Spirit to have that kind of access and authority over your lives, and you will die a slow death and you will not be able to be a witness to the world today. I'm sick and tired of sinning. I don't know if you are I'm sick and tired of it, but I'm at, at least I'm at a place where I'm still grateful that it's still a choice in my life. It's not something that is, uh, is controlling me. What do I mean by when sin controls you? What does it look like? It means that you know, you're giving the finger to the person who cuts you off. You know it's kind of wrong, you shouldn't do it. It's a bad witness, but you still do it because you feel like somehow they, they did something to offend you, right? You can't control yourself. It's like you're at the supermarket like yesterday. I was at the supermarket. And there was just one, I was behind just one person. She had very little groceries, but she decided to pay for it three separate times. It didn't make sense. I thought perhaps maybe she's doing it for work. She wants to expend something. But she used the same credit card three times. And I started to get a little upset at her. Um, and then she kept putting her credit card back in her wallet and, you know, zipping up her bag. And then she takes it out again, opens it up. <laughs> Look, what are you doing? Keep it in your hand for the three times you're going to check it out. Like, it just didn't make any sense to me. It didn't make no sense. But I had a choice. Right? Do I just let her really ruin my day? <laughs> right? And, and, and just, like, lash out on her. Like, what are you doing? Just hold on to it? Or let me teach you how, the most efficient way to do this. <laughs> you get my drift, Right? You get my drift. It's like trying your best not to yell at your kid when you're helping them with their homework, but you can't stop yourself and help yourself because you don't have a choice. You just continue to be this awful person to them because they frustrate you when they do their homework. You no longer have a choice. It controls you, and it controls you in that way. What I love about Paul's community, these were people in his life that saw him as an enemy at one point in his life, at their lives. He was the greatest persecutor in Damascus. And they didn't like him in the beginning, but yet because of what God was doing in the the spirit that they became brothers in Christ, they began to live life in such a way where they were able to watch out for each other's back. Interesting, isn't it? Because sometimes we're like on a one strike and you're out kind of a rule with people. If you just offend me once, I'm never gonna open my heart to you. But Paul opened his heart, the community opened their hearts and they walked with each other. You see, the only way you can let, I I believe today, the only way you're gonna allow sin to always be a choice whether you do it or not, rather than let it control you, is when you can confess your sins to somebody. The moment you actually physically confess your sins to someone about the things that you're doing, sin will never control you. It will never control you, Metro. You will have the choice of saying whether you will do it or not. It only controls us when we start living secret dark lives and people don't know things about us. And so you guys know this because I call it a soulmate. A soulmate is somebody where you share your soul with and they help you to journey in your life and that they would watch your back so that sin doesn't take full control over your life and it doesn't destroy every good thing in your life and that you can walk faithfully with God the best you can. I encourage you guys to find someone. And and please know this. You cannot overcome sin on your own. I wish you could. It's impossible to overcome sin on your own. I I think if there's anyone who could do it, it, it could possibly be me. I've tried everything without sharing it. And there's nothing that I can find better than when I confess my sins to my soulmates and they keep me accountable. And then they confess theirs to me too. It's not just me. It's a both and kind of a thing the only way. Uh, about a year and a half, about two years ago, not, not this past November, I was in Thailand, but last sabbatical that I was on, I went to Thailand just to see what was going on. Scott picked me up at, at the airport, who's that missionary that we work with, and, uh, and I spent about a week with him. But I knew my itinerary, and on the way back home, I would have about an about a eight to 12 hour, I forget the exact, eight to 12 hour layover in Bangkok before I got on a plane to come back to the States. And I have a few soulmates, but I have this one guy. He's so good. He said to me, he said, Peter, um, so share with me your itinerary, your flight itinerary. So I did. I shared it. And he said, okay. So you got about an eight-hour layover in Bangkok. He said, I'm going to call you when you're in that layover. I said, why? He said, just, I just, I just want to keep you accountable. I don't want you to get in a cab and go into town and do something you're going to end up regretting. And I just said to him, I was like, Jeff, it's okay. I'll be fine. He said, I know you will, but I'm going to call you. And, you know, it's because he's in L.A., that's like a 16-hour difference in time. And he says, if you don't pick up when I call you, there's going to be some problems. (laughs) I made sure I picked up when he called me. And I just said, thank you that you would love me so much and care for me so much that you would watch my back like this, even though I felt like I was okay. Thank you that you care about me so much and you don't want me to go down a spiral, a dangerous place that I'm not going to be able to dig myself out of. I wish you can get over sin on your own, but you really can't. And in order to be a great witness, I believe a good witness, is to know that you have some people watching your back and that they will care about your life so that you don't commit things that will end up being a hole where you can't dig yourself out of. And so would you consider being a good witness by finding some people in your life that are willing to watch your back? I mean, I talk about this regularly, but I do hope that you will find somebody where you can confess your sins regularly to. You will always be a good witness when you do. The last thing. We become a good witness when we accept new people by leading them into our community. A witness is somebody who's willing to accept new people and lead them into their community. Verse 26, look at what Barnabas does here. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. You need to realize how dangerous this was for Barnabas. You need to realize the kind of sacrifice that he did. Suppose you had an ex at one point in your life and they came to this church, and it didn't end well with this ex. They hurt you, right? And all of a sudden, this person comes to the church, and maybe through somehow you, you had a coffee, you started talking to that person, and you realize that that person's life has changed. Would you bring them into your community? Would you let them meet your wife, your husband, your community? You're like, absolutely not, of course not, we'd never do that, it's an ex. That's the level what Barnabas did here. Barnabas saw Paul as a serious enemy at one point, stayed away. And it's no wonder why the apostle said, I don't care if it's been three years since Paul's done anything bad against Christians, I'm not going to let Paul come in to our home. And so they didn't trust him. They were too scared of him. And so Barnabas took a step of faith and he went in and he vouched for this guy and said, I've spent some time with him. I know him. I've seen what God has done in his life. You can trust him because you trust me. Just let him be a part of your community. If it wasn't for Barnabas, Paul would have never been able to be accepted by the apostles, and he would have never had the time that he had. And when you read Galatians, you'll find that Paul talks about his time that he spent with Peter and James, and those were the two apostles he spent the majority of his time with. And that time that he had, if it wasn't for Barnabas, please understand what would have happened. You see, when Paul spent time with Peter and with James, you know what he was learning from them? The resurrection. The resurrection what Jesus was, was said and taught them after he resurrected from the dead. Paul needed to have that understanding and that knowledge so that he could finally pen 1 Corinthians 15. He would not have been able to write 1 Corinthians 15 if Peter and James didn't share with them the importance and the significance of the resurrection. And so when you and I think about how do we be a good witness, I want you to be reminded that God brings a myriad of new people to our church every week, sometimes even in the dozens And I know it's so easy for us to just kind of go into our own little silos and just kind of, you know, connect with the people that we are comfortable with. I get that, man. I'm an introvert. I know how that's a natural thing. But a good witness is willing to find people in our church community that might be new. And you learn a little bit about them. You accept them. And you lead them into your community. That you will never leave anyone behind. That you would have a heart for new people, because you guys, don't you remember how hard it was when you came to this church and you were new? I mean, for some of you, it wasn't that hard because you're just very outgoing and charismatic, and that's great. But for the most of us, it's it was really hard. You know, our church is a very difficult church, I think, to get connected to in community for a myriad of reasons. Number one is we're probably one of the larger churches in this area. It's hard to get connected in a large church. I know because there's a lot of people you can kind of get lost in the midst of the crowd. But the other thing is also, we're a church of diversity with ethnicity, generationally, and socioeconomic class. I mean, the odds are stacked up against us in every way. But the beautiful thing about Jesus is this, is that one of the most beautiful things about diversity is that you really cannot have unity apart from diversity. We see that with Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the three are one. And so the beautiful thing is if we allow God to to, to rise us up, to raise us up to be a witness... We can learn to love and care and accept people. Maybe people that we've known in the past, we know a little bit about their reputation and thinking, whoa, I would never, no, no, we should stay far away from that guy. I know he just started coming, but I know his history. I know his past. You should be willing to be open to sitting and learning and discerning and seeing perhaps maybe this is an opportunity where God is encouraging you to accept them and also lead them into, into your community. And one of the ways in how we can do that is maybe get them plugged in to serve the church in some capacity, because maybe they're shy about it, but you know the leaders of the ministry, you will connect them to maybe serve. Maybe you're connecting them with one of our pastors, one of our leaders, so they can connect and better connect with others. You realize that we live in a time and age where even though we're so connected digitally, we really struggle with, with community. Social anxiety is growing every year. It's becoming an epidemic in our society today because we don't know how to sit and talk anymore face-to-face. We'd rather do it on a digital level. And I do hope that God will open your heart, open my heart, that if you've been coming out to this church for a while, and especially if you're a partner of this church, you're called and commissioned by God to accept people within this church and to push and lead them into our community here at Metro Community Church. You know, Jesus prayed a prayer before he died, before he was crucified in John 17. He said, Lord, let them be one so that the world may know that you have sent me. If we can be one with the kind of diversity that God's brought to this church and people see it, they're going to say, there's no way Jesus does not exist. Jesus is truly, truly real. I've been having some good conversations with my oldest daughter, Christina, the one I think that was singing on that mic over there. and uh, She's 17 years old, getting old. She's going to college in September. And remember, I told you that you know she was thinking about. She really wanted to get out of state. Well, I got some really great news. She's decided to stay in state, which is really, really. We're grateful for that. Mom is very happy about it. We're probably, you know, she's probably thinking about maybe going to Rutgers. uh, Another, you know, TCNJ might be another school. But she wants to go to a big university. And so I feel like. Christina and I, we were able to really talk about deep things, and we try to do the best we can. I try to give her a place where she can share her heart with me, and and I share my heart with her. And you might think this is weird, but I don't think it's weird. I think it's fantastic. You know, I talk to her a lot about sex. Um, She's 17. She's going to be hitting that age and going to school where that's a very prevalent reality for girls her age. And I just want to make sure that she and I can just talk very openly about it, and and I'm hoping that I can shape a bit of her understanding of what sex is and how God views it. So we talk about it a lot, okay? Not, not always, but a lot. <laughs> not a lot. Uh, we talk about a lot of other things, but we, we had a date a couple, uh, a couple weeks ago, and I said to her, I said, hey, uh, if you're going to go to college in September. What's, the re- what's one fear that you feel right now in your heart about college? And she said, oh, that's easy. I'm afraid I'm not going to go to church when I go to college. I said, you don't gotta worry about that because you can just come to Metro every Sunday. <laughs> All right, don't worry about it, just come to Metro. And she said, uh, Dad, I'm not gonna come to Metro when I go to college. I'm going what? <laughs> what do you mean you're not gonna come to Metro when you go to college? She goes, I'm not gonna go to Metro when I go to college. And I said, why? She said, because I don't wanna live in your shadow anymore. I want my faith to be my own. And when I come to Metro, I'm always your daughter. Everyone knows me as your daughter. And so I need to try to do this on my own. Man, that was like a proud moment for me. But also a wish, and I think one of the reasons why she wanted to not be in New Jersey was to get away from my shadow. And I thought, man, but what's wrong with my shadow? It's (laughs) It's been good to you over the years. But she's absolutely right, and it's made me more mindful because I, I get asked to do some speaking at Rutgers and stuff like that, and it's made me mindful that when she's a student, I, I, I will not do one because I don't want people to be associating me to her, and that's yeah, just, just so that she can have her own space, her own place in that way. And as a father, if I'm just gonna be really honest, uh, I am a little worried about her just kind of doing her own thing and, and trying to find her faith There's a worry inside of me, but there's one reassurance that I do have, and that's, of course, God. But the reassurance is that I know that there are other Christians out there who I believe will one day, as she goes up there as a freshman, that they'll pull her aside and that they would share their story with her of how Jesus transformed their life. They'll be able to do that, and that she would be able to find some girls at school that would watch her back, so that she doesn't fall in a place where sin doesn't, is not a choice, but it just ends up controlling her, but that these people would watch her back so that sin will always just be a choice, not something that controls her. I have faith in that. I have faith also that uh, she, people would see her as a freshman and that they would accept her into the community and lead them into their community in that way. I have faith in the church today. I have faith in Christians that as they experience God in a very authentic way, that they would be able to reach out. And I know that as she gets older, that she's going to have to continue to do that as well, and that it's a both-and kind of a thing. And I think a lot of you are here today, honestly, because of some great Christians that have come around you, where they've shared their story, they've watched your back at some level, and they've also accepted you, even though you didn't want to be accepted, or maybe you were afraid to be accepted, and they slightly pushed you into their community. There's still hope, and I hope that today you would all rise up and say, Peter, I am going to be a witness for Jesus. And how we're going to do that today is as we participate in communion, Jesus Christ came, he died for us on the cross so that we can experience his love, grace, and mercy, not just so that we can go to heaven when we die. When we come forward here today, I want you to come forward, and I want you to make a covenant pact with God to live out Acts 1-8 when Jesus says you're going to have the Holy Spirit so that you can be a witness to all of Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. That you would commit today as you take communion, as you take the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, that you would covenant with Jesus, that you will be a witness for Him, that you will share your story when the Holy Spirit leads you to share it, that you would watch other people's back and that you would be in community and you will let them watch your back. Because you can't do this alone, it's impossible and that you would let, that you would be aware that as people, God brings people into this church, new folks, and, and as they come, that you would accept them, get to know them, and that you would help them get connected into this community, because it's not easy getting connected to a community like Metro. It's really not that you would be committed to being a good witness. And so let's just go to God right now. We just bow our heads in prayer. And could we commit ourselves today to being a good witness? Let's just thank God so much for his love and his goodness, and that he would even use people like you and me to be a good witness. So just go to him, and, uh, and then I'm just gonna pray, and then we'll let Pastor Sunita come up here and lead us in this powerful time of communion. Lord, everyone in this room has such a unique story. The story is powerful of how you've come and impacted their lives. I pray, God, that they would never minimize their story, but, God, that they would be able to appreciate and embrace it. And I thank you that the good news, God, is that the story continues every day. And so, God, may we be open to how you want to move in our lives. And I pray that as you do move in our life, that we wouldn't just savor those experiences for ourselves, but, God, that we would share that with other people be a witness of what you've done, that we would be able to do that, Lord. So, God, I pray that we would be able to share our story. I pray that we would surround ourselves with some people, just a few, that would really watch our backs so that sin never controls us, but it just becomes a choice that we do or don't do. May it always just stay a choice. Help us, God, to accept new people or maybe people that we have known in the past maybe the the experience wasn't good but God help us to be open the way Barnabas was open to Saul and I pray for those in this church that have been here for a while that God that you would lead them to accept and to allow them to connect with community here at Metro Community Church. Thank you Lord that you shared in Acts one that we have the Holy Spirit so that we can be a witness to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And may we be able to do that in the world in which you've called us to live. And so, Holy Spirit, thank you for your love and your goodness. In your name we pray. Amen. Could you please flip over your communication card? And there's some next steps that I would love for you to take. The first, I am committing my life to Jesus for the very first time. If you've never done that, we'd love for you to take that step. And if you've done that, check that off. And if you want to do that, we do encourage you to check that off. And then at the conclusion of the service, go out to the next table. It's the second table on my left. And one of our pastors will be there. They'd love to pray with you and give you a a packet that we call like a new believer's packet. Okay. Second, I'm going to share my story with a friend this week. Maybe there's somebody that God's already placed upon your heart. And share your story of how God has impacted your life with them. Third, I will connect with someone new from church this week. Maybe there's a new face that God will put in your heart. And maybe you can go out and have lunch or connect with them and get to know them. But let's be, I hope that one of the things our church is known for is that we're one of the friendliest and welcoming churches in the area. And it all relies on us if we're willing to do that. And I get it if you're shy. I, I so get it. But hopefully God will lead you to embrace even the discomfort of that. Uh, fourth, for all you parents out there and maybe soon-to-be parents, I want to encourage you to attend this Biblical Parenting Seminar. It's on March 2nd at 8.45 a.m. Uh, this is, uh, we're going to be working with a group. Uh, they travel around the entire country and they put on these seminars. It'll start at, I think it's 8.30 or 8.45 to 12 p.m. All right, Uh, it's a few hours, four hours, three hours in particular, child care will be provided. Uh, There is a registration process. You got to register and all that stuff because we know how much food to prepare and all that, all that stuff. So if you're interested, I do hope that you would sign up for this because we need tools to be better parents. We always do, don't we? And so I hope that you would really consider signing up. And so check that off. Um, If you don't have a bulletin and you don't have a comp card, then just go on our app and make sure you you click on that and write your name and your email address so that we can get back to you with that link so that you can register for the event. And so if you're interested, just please check that off and let us know. And, And I hope that it will transform your life. Uh, as a parent as you do that all right and very last connections dinner next sunday at 4 p.m it'll be at my home it's for any newcomers if you want to learn a little bit more about what this church is about i'd love to just kind of give you a platform to do that and also share with you a little bit about our story and where god's leading us if you're interested please check that off it'll be at 4 p.m on february 10th we'll send you an email on wednesday uh, about where it will be and give you the address to it all right